Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss turtles, gabagoo, and Frank Sinatra. I don't want to waste one minute. Let's get right into it. <clears throat> what was that cough? What was that cough? COVID out of my throat. <laughs> Sounds suspicious. COVID 69. <laughs> COVID 4269. COVID 420. Is it too soon? It's just soon enough. Ryan, we're back on the Tomorrow Podcast. It's you, it's me, it's COVID. We're all in this together. Keep calm and keep coughing. Keep calm and cough on. That's what I say. It's COVID, the COVID Express, all aboard the COVID Express. I don't know what I'm talking about right now. I have no idea what I'm talking about. The other day, I left my apartment just temporarily to pick up some groceries. And um, there was a bunch of people standing outside of a restaurant waiting to pick up their, like, pick up food, like their takeaway. And they were all smoking and talking to each other and one guy was coughing and i was like you're all idiots uh, like i'm gonna kill all of you if you don't die from covid i will kill you I, I was so if i see a person coughing i'm i'm out of there if i even hear a little bit of somebody if even somebody clears their throat if i have to go to the grocery store and I hear somebody clear their throat i'm done i go home i turn the water up to the i burn my clothes i turn the water up to the hottest it will go i get i have a tub of uh of alcohol i pour it all over my nude body <laughs> Not even that far from what we do when we come in from outside. Yeah, no, I know. I know what it's like. It's, But you know what? Listen, we're getting through it. The curve has flattened in New York. President Trump has declared himself a dictator officially now, out loud. Now he, everybody heard him say it. And, uh, and all is right with the world. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out. The economy is going to come back better than ever, come roaring back in the next, I'd say, you know, probably a week or so. I think everything's going to be ready to go. And we're good. <laughs> We're out of the woods. Vaccine <laughs> any day it. now. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Get that motherfucker a mission accomplished banner and put it up every time he steps to the podium. Um, no, imagine. Yeah, it's like imagine. It's like Groundhog Day. It's like it's like it's like if that part of George Bush's presidency where he was like, we won the Iraq War and he was on the the deck of the ship with the mission accomplished banner. But if that was every day, like he just kept coming out, was like, we did it. Anyhow, we did it, y'all. Or however he talked, I don't remember. That was literally Ross Perot is what that voice was. Nobody remembers Ross Perot. He was really the original Bernie Sanders. That's how I think of him. Um, okay. Anyhow, we're not going to talk about Bernie. You want to talk about Bernie? You don't want to talk about Bernie, do you? I really, really don't. <laughs> Let's not talk about politics at all today. Let's talk about technology. Let's talk about gadgets and gizmos and a plenty and, and thingamadoos and whatchamacallits. Let's talk about the candy whatchamacallit and- <laughs> fucking little mermaid up in this bitch <laughs> what does that mean it's she in her song she's like i got gadgets and gizmos a plenty yeah. i got who's it's and what's it's galore yeah, who's it's and what's it's that's the new you want thingamabob <laughs> she's got 20 oh boy uh, who cares no big deal <laughs> tomorrow podcast all who's it's all what's it's all the time anyhow <laughs> all right so look let's talk let's talk tech okay First off, let me tell you about some things that I'm personally excited about right now in the world of technology. Um, 
I don't know if you saw this. I had to write a quick blog post on it because I was so excited. Uh, the somebody made a version of PT. You know the uh, the Hideo Kojima. Hideo Kojima. I'm definitely mispronouncing both parts of his name. Um, he, you know, he was going to make a Silent Hill uh, remake or Silent Hill like reboot called Silent Hills. Anyhow, they released this demo PT. We've talked about it extensively on this podcast because I bought a PlayStation 4 with the PT demo on it and have been unable to. You have to do some insane hack to like get it to work. Like it, this is including but not limited to like having Chris Grant, the wonderful, lovely editor in chief of Polygon, like give me his account to log in with so I could like play the game. And it was still like, oh no, you have to like re-download it. Anyhow, long and short of it, PT is this amazing survival horror uh, demo. Anyhow, whatever. Somebody made a HyperCard version of PT. HyperCard holds a special place in my heart because when I first got my Mac, HyperCard was this like application that came with it. I mean, by the time I had a Mac, it like came pre-installed and it was like, you could like make little like weird applications in it and make like weird, like interactive, like stories and slideshows and games. And like, it was really cool. And it was like for a person who doesn't know how to code, like basically it was like a, a visual sort of like interactive like it was like macromedia director but like way less i don't know like colorful hypercard is awesome yeah hypercard rule hypercard was great okay so anyhow so somebody made a version of of pt in hypercard that you can you can get now which is completely insane so i wrote a little blog post on it yesterday which i thought was uh you know it's always nice when you can take a break from uh from from covid19 and step into a world of like demonic horror where you die <laughs> I have to say, who, this developer Ryan Trawick, who did yeah, it, Trawick. I just love Trawick, Trawick, Trawick. We don't know. I love that he, this dude was just hanging out, you know, playing around with a hypercard on his Apple II GS, and he said, "You know what? Yeah, <laughs> I want, I want there to be a copy of PT th- for this. That's right. And he did That's it. So great. He made it real. He birthed he it. it. He birthed it into the into the world." Um, and anyhow, it's an exciting time. So, so we were, I wrote a little thing about that. I was very like excited about the concept. I have not played it yet. It's on itch.io or itch.io as some people refer to it. Um, and, uh, which I think has been a great, and we've talked about this multiple times in the podcast, but a great source of joy for me in these dark times, um, just to find weird indie games and stuff and give, give people my hard earned money for, uh, the hard work and the cool things that they make. Um, but anyhow, so today there was a so we had a, a little bit of like it's been a while. I feel like it's been, it feels like it's been a while since there's been like real tech news. I mean, I know Apple released like a new iPad, but it's such an incremental thing. It's kind of like, I mean, I guess all of this shit's incremental that I'm about to talk about. But uh, OnePlus uh, released a phone, new phone, OnePlus Eight Pro, and I, you know, I used to want to get every phone that was released, and now. I don't because of coronavirus and um, and now I'm like, I got to, you know, start a farm and get off the grid. But this new phone seems really good. It's an Android phone. Ray reviewed it for the website. You can check it out on inputmag.com. And uh, and uh, it's it's like really fast. The cameras seem really good. It has like a no notch screen, which I love. Um, the, the OnePlus has been progressively making better and more interesting phones. And I think it's cool that like, basically like the camera outperforms Samsung's latest camera. It is almost as good as the iPhone. And I think that's like, I don't know. I'm kind of interested. I'm excited. I kind of want one. I shouldn't buy it. I shouldn't. It'd be a bad use of my funds, but I might have to. 
and it's weird to me because OnePlus is always on this cycle, which is like they always come out with something that's like a little bit better than everything else in the market, and you're like, oh my god, this is really cool. Like I really would love to own this. But then in like a month or two, there's something else, and it just never feels like it's given its moment to shine. And so Ray came back after reviewing this phone and was like, it's really great, and it's not, you know, it'll it's expensive, but it's not like you know, that much more expensive than anything else in the market. And it's really beautiful. And like, he was like, I love using it. But I just, I I now have this reaction with OnePlus where I'm like, I feel like Samsung is going to, you know, blow you out of the water in a month or two or something. Well, they do. They do. I mean, sure. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I just think, look, Android phones are, are, look, it's like this, okay? People who buy iPhones are not buying Android phones. People who buy Android phones are not buying iPhones. Excuse me. Hold on. I have to clear my throat. COVID. Oh, my God. Is it? This could be it. Hold on. Oh, God. Is that a dry cough? Do I have a fever? Go on. Um, I don't know how I could get I guess I could have gotten it from, like, the wine I had delivered here. I mean, that's my my new thing. It's, like, definitely on the wine that I'm drinking. Um, You like getting diseases from your delivery wine? That's your new thing? (sighs) That's my new thing. The hot new trend is getting diseases from delivered wine. Um, Anyhow, but... But, uh, you know, I think so, so this is really just about like, and again, this is not that exciting. I mean, it's a phone, but it it is, it is, I was like, sort of like, oh, maybe I'll get the new Samsung for no reason, except that I, you know, have a problem with getting new phones. Um, and then I saw it and we did a review and I was like, oh, it's really, and it doesn't seem that good. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal. It doesn't seem like a huge upgrade. I do miss Android all the time. You know, I use an iPhone now. And as you know, because Zelda is an iPhone user, um, no Zelda, you know everybody's on i everybody's on iMessage now, so I'm like stuck, which is fine. It's fine, doesn't matter. Um, but I do miss Android a lot, and whenever I see a new Android phone, especially when it's good, and Ray says this one is really good, I'm kind of like, man, I want to go back. But I know in my heart that I can't go back, and so why am I even talking about it? I can't go back because I would have to be, abandon my family from a messaging perspective which is simply not possible, especially in this. Isn't it crazy, though, that like in the age of COVID, like we everybody's like Zoom and house party and all these like apps that nobody really gave a shit about. Now, all of a sudden we like depend on them. But if Apple had like opened up the standard for FaceTime and iMessage, they, they would have owned all of this. Yeah, it's <clears throat> this is actually something I found really interesting is that, I mean, this is a larger topic about how many uh, people are in the space of like video conferencing and video like call apps. Like, I mean, there are so many people who are in the space that have absolutely blown it. Like, I mean, Teams, Microsoft Teams apparently seems to be like there's like an uptick in its use for that. I've never used it. Like, it's just not as we don't use Teams on our team. So, um, but but like Skype and Google, all Google has like four different apps that do this. Uh, FaceTime, obviously. I mean, there's like so many WhatsApp has like some video stuff or whatever, Facebook, but nobody, it's crazy because like Zoom has just become the de facto, just completely crushed the competition. It is. Which is so weird because it's like just corporate software. Yeah, it just came out, but it also came out of nowhere. Like, like we had started using Zoom at BDG. They were like, we're going to start using this new video conference. I'm like, oh, great. Like, they were like, they also were like, you really should be using Zoom. We would really like if you were using Zoom. And we were like, okay. Yeah, we were like, sure. And then we kept doing Hangouts or whatever. But then it turns out Zoom is actually much better at almost everything that Hangouts tries to do. Like, 
audio quality. Except for like security and privacy. Well, yeah, except for security and privacy, but like audio quality and video quality and like just features that are good for like participating in a large group video chat. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just crazy to see how like how could Microsoft have not like fine tuned its tools like Skype was like the de facto. I mean, back in the day, Skype was like, oh, yeah, like you're going to Skype with somebody. That was just like a thing you did. I mean, Craig, one of our editors, I think was like it used to be a verb, which is true. It's like, let's Skype, you know, now it's like people don't even know what it is. They spent like eight billion dollars on it. Like Literally, I think it was eight billion dollars. And it's like it's a dead product as far as I can tell, you know. Because they don't, what they do, what Microsoft does is they have a ton of enterprise contracts and they're rolled out as infrastructure. And then they have a team of developers that sit around and wait for something interesting to happen in productivity software. And then when something interesting happens, they just duplicate it faster than the other competitor who had a new idea can gobble up market share. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And it's basically what Facebook does with social networks now, right? Like whatever a social network pops off or like a feature pops off, Facebook just quickly clones it and tries to stitch it into Instagram or Facebook proper. Right. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And if it does work, then they, you know, claim that they're geniuses. And it's it's a little weird and depressing. Like it feels like at Microsoft Teams has always been like a, oh, look, Slack exists product. I've never heard anything from Microsoft Teams that wasn't like, oh, my company's making me use Teams and like we're not allowed to use Slack. Right. I'm, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. You're thinking about, sorry, just going back to your FaceTime comment, it is interesting to think what might have happened if Apple had, I mean, do they care, I guess? Do they care if they're, uh, you know, do they want to capitalize on this moment in that way? Like, do they want to be a social network? Do they want to be like a place where lots of people can zoom for lots of different reasons, or can like see? See, I just did it where people can have video chats for lots of different reasons, or were they was was FaceTime always intended to be much more of a one to one thing? I mean, I know they have you can do group FaceTimes, but like it's kind of a abandonware feature, is from what I can tell. Like they haven't really they don't push it that hard. It's weird because it's like. Microsoft wanted to own the operating system because they thought that that would give them control over the hardware and Apple wanted to own the hardware because they thought it would give them control over the operating system. And now both of them are just sort of like existing, like they're too big at this point to like actually do anything exciting. And so like all Apple's main goal right now is just to like sell you gadgets with the vague promise that they'll protect you from the apps that you install on their gadgets. Right. Do you know what I mean? We're in such a weird place now. And like Google obviously can't make that promise because they're the ones who want that data that they would have to protect you from. But it's just weird. And like, you know, we're doing this contact tracing. We, We wrote about how Apple is doing contract tracing through Bluetooth and like they've teamed up with Google who, you know, they want to make it so that every time you come in contact with someone, your phones will exchange keys and then if you get coronavirus you can flag it and then everyone you were in contact close proximity with oh, yeah contact get a yeah. notification yeah yeah they want to do this whole project and it's just weird because like it's from two companies who have completely different opinions on privacy and data and also just like it's a weird thing from apple because it's sort of an admission that like they could turn on a button <laughs> right. to get all of our data. Right. <laughs> but they're like, they've perfectly built out a system that they say that they don't want. They're like, but it's like in our homes and lives all the time they're already. Like, they're like, um, oh, you know, actually, it turns out we can track your every movement. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. 
Like we just flip. It's we so actually weird flip that like switch would do that. <laughs> oh, there's a button, there's a little like, button here. Like like Tim Cook was like, you know, had his hand under his desk. Like, What's this little toggle here? And they're like, oh, uh, Mr. Cook, that's the the start tracking everybody button. He's like, oh, I didn't. No, we didn't solve that. That's not interesting. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> it's got his signature on it. But it's what's funny is that it's like it's like the the virus has been very revealing about a lot of things, but one of the things that's revealed to me is that like the stickers have fallen off of everyone's products and have come to realize that everyone just makes the same thing. Like I, I, especially with the looming Xbox um Series X versus PS5 conversation where it's like the more I read about the two of them, the more I'm like, yeah, these are just gaming computers. They're computers. Like, they're fucking not interesting. They're gaming PCs. I mean, I will say, look, the most exciting thing to me about if we want to dip into that for a moment is I will say that, you know, that they had this like insanely bad PS5 thing where they went through like it's like it's guts and and they talked about its architecture. I forget who the guy is now. I'm blanking on his name, but people are like, he looks just like Danny Carvey. Nobody knows who Danny Carvey is. But at any rate, um, but but what was exciting was like the load time thing where they ba- he basically was like this is going to load games so quickly that like we may have to like slow down like we may have to like slow it down because it'll be disorienting to like for people for like things to load as quickly as they'll load. I will say one of the things I noticed no matter what I'm playing, I mean PS4 is brutal. Like playing Control on the PS4 is like a nightmare because you have to reload every sequence and it takes like. It takes like a long time, like maybe minutes sometimes it feels like maybe even like 30 seconds, but 30 seconds when you're like in the middle of playing and then you die and you're like, oh, got to like restart this. And it's like, let me wait 30 seconds to a minute is insane. So I'm excited about the idea that these systems can like will have like an architecture that will allow that to happen. But in terms of graphics performance, and I and I do think that like I do think that that, uh, you know, they're going to be able to get some pretty amazing performance out of them. But that we are talking about like essentially like pc architecture and uh you know that stuff's available now like you can get really crazy graphics cards and see really crazy performance on games today if you want to um i will say though that the load time thing is still not solved on pcs no matter how fast your computer is i have a very fast gaming i mean that's super interesting to me because it it just changes the way that you develop games at all like a game could be could be endlessly large without any you would never have to stop you know like you would never have to wait for something to happen. Like you could just go wherever, you know I mean? Think about it. Like you could have a game that's the size of America, literally, you know, and just like keep going because it would just load the stuff. Right. Like, yeah. Like that's crazy to think about. It's crazy to imagine the way people might make games where you don't have to like go like, okay, we are now leaving this scene that we've created and you are going to another scene. Like, that is not going to happen. I think, at least with the PS5, and I assume the architecture will be very similar on the on the Xbox. I mean, one thing I've been playing—I talked about this before—but I've been playing Zombie, aka Zombie U, um, on my. You know that game was made in, I want to say 2013. Let me let me just look. I want to look this up. 2012, November 18th, 2012. So I'm playing. Okay. I'm playing Zombie on, which is just Zombie. I'm playing it on my gaming pc that i just built which has like a very fast i7 and a very fast gpu and the load times it has cut scenes like it has these like load scenes that are like in between when you go to major areas but they are now like so greatly reduced that it barely gets into them and i can like start you can skip them and start playing 
and it it is a it is i believe a taste of what it will be like for if you think about like the current state of big games and the way they have those loads like control is a great example if you've played it but to me it's a the idea that you would not experience that and you would just fluidly move from one big set piece to another is like kind of exciting very exciting to me i know we got way i forget what we were talking about we're way off topic of it now but um oh is your the how uh, well, coronavirus has uh, has made you less excited about the new xbox well I, I was gonna say the with the load time thing i've been playing the final fantasy 7 remake um i've actually had to start it i got to play four hours at like a embargoed press thing and then i obviously didn't get to keep that save file so then i started playing it when uh i got my copy the day it was released and i said john can you just install the install disc for me while i finish up work and then I, i'll play whenever it's done he was like sure so i started playing and i realized i was playing on his profile and earning him trophies mm. and like he, he got the save file so i was like fuck so then i restarted it again and i am now on my third play of the first four to five hours of final fantasy 7 remake yeah, i don't want to talk about it but the we- the funny thing is is that for the most part you can't tell that it's a remake of a game from the 90s like they very artfully have made it so even the lay- level layouts don't feel is it, dated, is it like is it obviously are. is it like all like real-time 3d now like is it like is it like the resident yeah. evil games the remakes it's closer to yes it's closer to an action rpg a la like kingdom hearts combat style right. than it is like a turn-based right while you're but i like it you're talking, and, and, i'm and, gonna and, watch and, some i'm gonna watch some uh i'm gonna watch some well it, it's it. interesting because it like when you hit when you go into the contextual menus to pull up spells or items or whatever it does pause the action and it goes into this like very slow 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 so slow stylized slow motion and you can switch between characters live while they're battling and whenever you switch away the ai takes over for the character that you were playing Mm -hmm. and so it can feel turn-based sometimes but it also isn't it is the perfect hybrid and i really really like it it's very tight it's very addictive how's the story i I downloaded final fantasy 7 for my uh oh wow this looks really cool the story's phenomenal and so weirdly so relevant and prescient and it feels great. It's just like the perfect thing to come out right now. Um, it's very it's about like the environment and like big government and all this stuff. It's it's great. Right. But what's interesting to me is that even though all of it is super updated, it still manages to take advantage of um the you know, whenever you 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 need to hide loading, um, and this was sort of developed in that. So that fifth generation of, of games was the first that had like um, optical disc that you would need to load stuff off of on the Sega Saturn or the PlayStation 1. And so in order to hide that, sometimes they would do loading screens. Sometimes they would put mini games on loading screens. Other times they would make it so you'd have to do things like, you know, one character's walking over to push a button and you have to push a button and then the doors shake and then they take a second and then they open. Then you go to the next area and then it deletes the, the like what was in the RAM for the old area. And so it feels like you have to do all these little tasks, but really it's to cover up for the fact that they have to load um, the next environment off of the disc. Right. But what's interesting is that they still have to do that because they're such ambitiously remade environments. Right, they're, now they're, they're huge. So, they, so you're basically like. So now they're still doing the load gating. So when you go to like get on the elevator, you still have to jump through these oh stupid hoops. Oh, the elevator. The, the elevator loading is cr- is cr- is like brutal. Like, have you played the new Star Wars game, um, the Fallen Order or whatever? 
I've watched like yeah. plays. I well, they have I like they have it. a lot. They have like there's a lot of sequences in that game where there's like elevator loading, and I'm like, it's I'm like, is something wrong with this game? Like, why am I on the elevator <laughs> for this long? It's like a really long trip on the elevator, and I'm like, oh, it's loading a whole bunch of stuff. Like, I'm watching this game right now, and I, I have to say, I'm watching Final Fantasy VII. So I never played the original. I downloaded the original for my Switch, I believe. Um, they or like they have like you know a reissue of the original version. Yeah, it's a terrible port of the original. Well, and I was like, yeah, yeah this just there. is not going to hold my attention. It's just like too dated, and I'm not. A couple of things stand out to me. One, this game looks pretty cool, and I feel like it's a game that I would enjoy playing based on like what I'm seeing. Oh, man, you would be so addicted to Final Fantasy. So, so the but the other thing is that this sword that he's using seems very impractical. I mean, it's so large. Why would anybody need to? <laughs> the sword is the sword is literally the size of his body. No, it is. I, I don't. I don't understand why you would want a sword that big. Like, just well, you have to understand. It was the '90s, and we were on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it seems like. It's like it's like a rave sword. It's like he used this for dancing. Is there dancing in this game? I bet there is. Um, I bet there's. There no, actually is dancing in this. Yeah, game. Uh-huh. that doesn't surprise me. Wow, this is cool. This is like a weird. It's like it's like Resident Evil meets Metal Gear meets like uh i don't know like a hot topic like ease book one and two like yeah that is basically what it is (laughs) um are you in this warehouse the whole time this is just the first 45 minutes of gameplay so i don't really know just looking at no um so the game has also been broken so the original release was super long and it came out on multiple discs and this release is super long and came out on multiple discs but they're also like breaking it up into parts like the last harry potter movie because they it is such a huge game right um, so they're doing like DLC, but or no, no, they're going to release a second, like a part two. Oh, like, but you pay for the um, f- the game and you get part two. No, no, no. You have to pay for what oh, you mean. They're like, you're like, here's pay $60 for this game. And then soon there'll be another $60 game. It'll be like Final Fantasy seven part two. Yes. That's yes. cool. That's cool. <laughs> That's good. Games it's are, the, the games uh, are I, hunger game. I totally, I totally, to I totally understand it. Games are very expensive though. Like I've spent so much money on games during the coronavirus lockdown. Like it's truly staggering. And like now Zelda's got a switch. I bought her a switch light and, um, and she's into games there. And by the way, there, it turns out there are games that are perfect for Zelda. There's like literally a game where you like are like, a horse girl where you ride horse you know like the horse you know the girls like horses she's like into horses and unicorns you know which is like honestly i don't know where it came from it just happened um uh but so she's there's like a game this is what happens with girls i know though. girls just suddenly one day they love horses. i don't know i yeah I, I don't know anyhow but but well i mean she watches my little pony and stuff so i mean that obviously has something to do with it um but which is a really good show it turns out and i enjoy it and i guess i'm a brony um but oh well, hold on. We should talk about. It. But anyhow, so she got there's like games that are like kind of bad, and I feel bad buying them for her. But like she likes them a lot. That are like kind of like shitty. Like what developer is this? They made a game where like you like clean a horse and ride a horse and like go on some like horse races and like it's like not a game, but it's it it it, it yeah. fulfills it fulfills some like thing that she really wants to do, which is like get on like she wants to ride a horse, basically, you know. Well, um, I was thinking about that the other day was that there I, I I pulled out the copy of Batman Returns, I think, for Genesis, mm-hmm. and I was playing it, and I was like, I this is one of the, like, two games I owned when I first got a Genesis, and I played, like, it constantly because it was all I had, 
And I made it to the second level and I was like, oh, I never made it to the second level. Yes. I just wanted to be Batman yes. for a little while. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I was I, I was playing like Streets of Rage or something. And I was like, oh, like I'm at the end of the game. Like, I don't know if I've ever I was playing Super Mario. I was playing Super Mario 3 on my Switch, which is a game I basically never played. And I'm like, oh, this gets really weird. Like, there's some crazy shit in this game. Like, I, I don't think I've ever played past like the second level of Super Mario, the original, you know? Like it's just never. It was yeah. never a thing that I wanted to do. I like I'd play it. I wanted to play it, but there was no sense of like I gotta finish this or beat it or whatever. Some games were. I mean, I had other games obviously that were that I was more intense about. I mean, maybe it's because I was younger when I played those games. But like, you know, oh, I was super intense about Pokemon. Like I was like a psycho. Like I had stats and numbers, and I was doing calculations, and like I was like a baseball child, yeah. but about Pokemon, yeah. But what's interesting is now that we're all trapped in our homes, everybody likes video games all of a sudden. Like now all people are coming out of the woodwork and they're like, do you have any recommendations? Yeah, and everyone's I a got gamer. people tweeting about like Animal Crossing at me. We got, we're gamer. We're living in gamer universe, you know, and I'm not complaining. This is gamer renaissance. Gamer gate. It's a gamer gate. Um, <laughs> uh, so Final Fantasy VII looks pretty good. So let me talk for a second. We're jumping around a little bit, but let me talk for a second about another thing that has happened during. Listen, what what are we gonna do? What, we, we're gonna have a formal roundtable discussion. I don't on... know. I don't <laughs> we're, know. we're all fucking trapped in our houses. What are we gonna talk about? I don't know what's possible. We had a massive storm here yesterday. Horrible rain. Horrible wind. Trees down. Power I out. No, we didn't lose our power. It was so good. It was very violent. Uh, Zelda has, in the last few days has has um, become obsessed with something, and I think I need to discuss what? it. She has become obsessed with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the 1987 cartoon <laughs> series. And I don't know exactly. I, I don't know exactly what happened. Well, here's something that's really weird. So Laura was like, "I wonder if she'd like the cartoons that we watched when we were kids." She's like, "Oh, I love like TMNT." I was like really into that show. I was like, "Oh my god, me too!" Like. I also like read the comics like I knew I read I had TMNT comics before the show existed. And so when the show came on, because I was like a little comics nerd when the show came on and I would have been 10 years old when the show started airing. But I think I had already known the comics. So I was kind of like, oh, like this isn't like the comics. Like they have different colored like headbands, which is they did not in the comics. They were all. They all mm -hmm. had like matching headbands or whatever. Kids are so sensitive to like little design changes on things. Yeah. Well, they and they also made it obviously much more like the comic was actually for adults, really. It wasn't for kids. Yeah, but like, but like that stuff sticks out to kids in a major way. I remember when they redesigned the animated Batman and I was like so upset. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At any rate. So, no, that's, you're totally right. It is like I think kids are very sensitive to those. They notice. They just notice. We I feel like adults, you just notice yeah. a lot less. But um, so, yeah. So anyhow, so Laura was like. I wonder if she'd like this, like Teenage Mutant Turtles or Inspector Gadget. I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, we should show her some. And I showed her. The only place I could find Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was literally like Daily Motion. I don't know what's going on with Daily Motion. I don't know what kind of weird racket Daily I mean, it's like straight up just bootleg stuff on Daily Motion that you can watch. I, you know, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's very suspicious. Um, but so we started watching some and she was like really into it. And I have to say, like, at first I was like, oh, this show's like kind of violent or weird or like, and it definitely is like has some questionable depictions of like Japanese people and and the Japanese culture, I would say. Um, it definitely has, it definitely is like kind of sexist. Like there's a character in the show who's like boy crazy and is always talking about like getting dates and stuff. And I'm like, 
this is like it's every super rude to April O'Neil, who is the the female reporter who like is friends with the turtles. Um, they're like really rude to her, like all of the her coworkers. <laughs> it, it's just anyhow, but there's but and I would say, but overall, those are very very minor small things that I don't think Zelda has is processing because she's too busy like complaining about like Shredder and Krang. She's like obsessed with like she like likes the villains. She's very yeah, interested, very interested in Shredder and Krang and was mad the other day. She was like, they need a new villain because Shredder like keeps losing. And I was like, so you want like a villain to beat the turtles? Is that what I am I hearing? <laughs> that was me. I used to say, why does Rita Repulsa let the Power Rangers beat up the monster? Why not before they even transform, make the monster huge, let it crush their town while they're asleep and then just conquer the world. Yeah. We're going to a different part of the world it's, and where the Power Rangers aren't. Like I used to get so frustrated because I wasn't rooting for the Power Rangers. Well, and I think she's also she's also um you know, she's watching them in, in like one after another. One of the things I noticed that was interesting is that in the early episodes, the show is actually serialized. So like each episode leads into another, like there's a story going on that connects through multiple episodes, which I thought was really interesting. The first, many of the first episodes are written by, co-written by a woman, which I thought was interesting. And I do think there's a change. This is my, like, now I'm like a doctor. Um, like I have a PhD in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the 1997 cartoon. <laughs> um, I do think there's a shift in tone. That's all of us right now though <laughs> but uh but it's funny because we showed her inspector gadget and she had was like not not interested in this at all yeah not not just what if for whatever reason just d- doesn't care but fully into teenage mutant ninja turtles so here's the thing so as a result of the of the of the teenage mutant ninja turtles situation i was like man i gotta get her like a more reliable way to watch this because i was literally like searching for each episode on daily motion so the only way you can really get it you can buy a dvd which like i'm not gonna do or you can or you can torrent it and uh as a result of this new interest in teenage mutant turtles i have become a huge fan of this thing called put.io which uh evan rogers wrote about for input and i think it is the great one of the greatest fucking things in the world it is not that cheap but I think you get what you pay for in in a, in a in a real way. Put IO is basically this thing. I mean, we talked about it already. But like, do you use it? Do you have it? I have. Um, like, I'm on Evan's family. Plan. Okay, you are. Um, okay. So so Put IO is this amazing thing where you have a basically a self contained like media server and torrenting like program. Like, it's like Plex plus transmission in the cloud. Yes, yes. So so Plex, I never really – I didn't really get – like I wasn't a Plex user. I haven't been a Plex user. I never really – but this to me makes perfect sense. Like I have been – there are things that I will torrent because like they are very hard to find or or not even available. Like I have torrented things or, you know, listen, sometimes I'll torrent things because like I went to see the movie in the theater and I want to watch it again and I'm not going to like buy it when it comes out, you know. Meanwhile, like I, I buy all the new Star Wars movies. So. I will make every piracy argument in the book because I am a huge proponent of like, listen, if I've already paid for it and you're not providing it to me, that's your problem. And also, like, I think anybody who can't afford things should be able to have them, especially if they're digital things that like are the person already got paid for this right. once and you can copy it as many times as you want. It's, it's a cartoon from the eighties. Everybody got, well, no, right. Yeah. I mean, like, and, it's, we're done and they've here. also made it, they've also made it impossible to get. I mean, but I will say this, like on the piracy thing, it's like, I purchase an enormous amount of 
things like on iTunes and on Amazon. I pay for a ton yes. of streaming services. Um, the 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 amount of torrenting I do is relatively minimal, but sometimes you've got to do it. In this case, I had to do it. But what is amazing, and it's not cheap. I'm paying like it's like two hundred dollars a year. I got the one terabyte plan, so it's two hundred bucks a year for a terabyte of storage. But it it does a couple of things that are amazing. One is that it has an app you can put on an iPad or on a phone or on Apple TV, and you can just load up your library there. Like you don't have to fool around with like uh trying to figure out how you're going to play something and using weird like like I use this app called Beamer. I've been using it forever. I used to download stuff on my PC, then I would upload that to Google Drive, then download it from Google Drive to my phone and use the open in before you had a file system. Open in and open it in VLC. And if it didn't play, then I was screwed and I just wasted yeah. a bunch of time. And if it did play, then it worked. If I ever and that was how what I did every time I traveled. If I ever torrent something, the way I had been doing it is like I torrent it to my Mac then I would use this app called Beamer to play, basically using AirPlay to play from a playlist in Beamer to the to, to the Apple TV. But it's like, you know, a pretty janky... But honestly, again, I pay for every prestige channel. I pay for cable. I pay for YouTube TV. I pay for Netflix. I have a subscription to the AMC movie theater. Like, I have all of this shit because it is part of my job. And it is ridiculous that sometimes i'm looking for something and it's like you can't have that and it's like well you have to pay for it on youtube tv and every episode is eight dollars like what to what end why like i i I, fuck it and and the fact that like i end up having to jump through all these hoops it's like especially nowadays we're all trapped in our homes and most people aren't working i'm just like put that io is genius a torrent software is incredible like well yeah it's and, and, it's it's a silver bullet and, and so 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 now i'm like i she can watch like the actual thing she wants to watch and it's not like she's getting weird daily motion shit but one thing i oh, i realized that's insane is that season she's on season three now she so season one is like five or six episodes is really weirdly short like maybe they didn't know if it was going to be successful then season two is like 13 episodes you're like okay that's a normal season season three of teenage mutant ninja turtles the animated series by the way there are 10 seasons um has 40, wow, good for them. 47 episodes in it. 47, yeah. 47, 22 shows minutes. are like that. Yeah. It's like completely Kid insane. shows are like that. They they made, that was the same thing with Power Rangers. There was like 50 episodes in the first season. And I was like, what? And then it's because I only watched Power Rangers for two years, but it left a huge impression on me because for two years, every week, there was a new episode yeah. Every and day, reruns. right? It's like every day, right? It's like they five days a week there was an episode. I don't know if yeah. it was true for Power Rangers, but for for TMNT, it apparently was. And uh, so, anyhow, there's a ton of it, and she's just burning through it, and it's just insane. It's like um, that's really cute. Though. It's very cute. I think for the most part, it is fine. It, it by comparison, there's it's very light. Like you know, it literally is very formulaic. It's like Shredder and Krang. I mean, the whole story with Shredder and Krang is interesting. I mean, one thing I just want to get into this a little bit. I, I know, I know most of the fans. I know Tony, our number one Tomorrow fan, was like, "When are they going to talk about Krang more?" You know, <laughs> the relationship between Shredder and Krang is really interesting. I mean, the show begins with this whole, you know, the the, the there's this rivalry between Shredder and uh, Splinter, and they were at the you know they were at the same like dojo. They were like ninjas in Japan training in japan or whatever and then you know shredder like sabotage basically got splinter kicked out but then like he followed him to to america 
like it's not clear what happens, but like he takes over the Foot Clan, which is the it's clan very that they're part Professor of. Professor X and Magneto. Yes, except hold on. Yes, but so so they have this big rivalry. Then Shredder becomes the leader of the Foot Clan, and he turns the Foot Clan into a criminal organization. Like so far, like this totally checks out. Then for some reason, because like Splinter, the Rat Master of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, is like he like flees to America to New York. And then Shredder to be the original pizza rat. Yeah, to the truly actually he doesn't like pizza. That's one of the storylines of the show is that he hates pizza and he finds the turtles to be like really annoying because they're always like messing up the their their um you know sewer hangout or whatever. But like yeah, their sewer home. But anyhow, Shredder follows Splinter for some reason. It's not clear, and Shredder is responsible for mutating the turtles. You know, split basically Splinter gets these turtle pets and they he has them down in the sewer and then like shredder like pours some mutagen like on them and turns them into you know teenage Ninja turtles and turns splinter into a rat none of it makes a lot of sense but i mean it's, you know he's like a rat person and they're like turtle people but uh so then at some point like and i missed this episode zelda was watching and we talked about it a little bit but like krang shows up and krang is like a brain from an something called dimension x i believe he's like a brain that talks and has tentacles and he's like i want a body and he's like sort of like one of shredder's underlings and he's like you know i he's like you promised you'd give me a body like just like an actual plot line in the show like that shredder is like trying to like create a body to put krang in and he does eventually but then something happens where they all get sent to dimension x this is all happening in the show by the way in like the first two seasons and and like krang can't leave dimension x because his body won't work outside of dimension x or something and then shredder becomes kind of like subservient to krang and it's like Krang is actually the person who's behind all of the stuff. And Shredder is almost like a like a kind of like a bumbling underling of Krang. So there's this weird reversal that happens where Shredder becomes like the butt of like Krang's jokes and stuff. Anyhow, it's a trip. Mm-hmm. It's a wild trip. And I just want to say that, um, you know, Zelda and I are taking that journey together and it's really cool. I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. I think I was just reciting the plot line of Shredder and Krang from <laughs> From THU to Ninja Turtles, which should give you an idea of where I'm at mentally. Josh reads the t- Wikipedia page for Krang. No, man. <laughs> oh, I, listen, I've been on the I've been on the Krang Wikipedia page, okay? Um, but uh, in fact, I'm actually. I mean, that's where we're all the, living right now. I'm looking at it right like, now, to be perfectly honest. With you. Last night, I started putting together my. You know, I got that Dreamcast. Now I got the Sega Saturn. I started putting together my like like. SD card build for the Dreamcast or for the Saturn while John is watching old episodes of 30 Rock. Like we're just fully just we have um what is it? Uh we have reverted into our childhood forms. And but the we're, so we're watching 30 Rock last night and man, it, it's weird when you revisit these things through like the, a different lens. Like it, you know, it's one thing to be like, you know, 30 Rock was problematic. Like, yeah, okay. Um, you know, the friends made gay jokes. Like, yeah, I, I get it. Um, but it's weird watching it because it's like the stuff that I wouldn't even have picked up on even recently. Like in the pilot of 30 Rock, Liz Lemon, who is played by Tina Fey, who wrote and created the show, references her own weight in a derogatory way, but also to flaunt how skinny Tina Fey is in the pilot, mm. like four times in a weird specific way. And I was like, Tina Fey got a network to give her money to write a script to make a crew watch her reference, watch her 
make a weird face at multiple men calling her fat and then telling her her weight is actually really a really low weight. Hmm. And it's like stuff like that that you're like, I've never really sat and meditated on the fact that like that's what we called feminism in 2006. And like, it's just being trapped in my house has given me the perspective of being able to like especially as someone with ADHD I have truly have no distractions I'm just the things that are in front of me I I have to take apart and I'm like fully researching and John and I are in these hour-long discussions about things that like would never have occurred to us we, we were watching um Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu which is good mm. um the book was way better mm. but it was good it's good Reese Witherspoon's good the casting on that show is incredible but they played Meredith Brooks's bitch at one point they played like a oh, yeah. cover of yeah. it because this show takes place in the 90s right and John and I just got into like an hour long discussion of that song and how that song, you know what? Straight up fucking rips. That song rules. <laughs> Fuck everybody. I don't wow. care if it's cheesy. She is. She's a bitch. She's a lover. She's a child. She is a mother. Wow. And we're like an hour into talking I mean, about what this. Is she, I was what is like, she a mother though? You know what? In that song, she was my she mother. She can be. She can be. <laughs> okay. I feel like we're just, we're we're all now so hyper-focused on things that maybe it's good because I think for a long time we did not, as a society, have the time to be philosophical or to actually think critically about things. We were so busy jumping between notifications and our phones and our meetings and going to this thing. And then I had, a, you know, a party to go to and concerts to this ticket. And then, you know, there's another Marvel movie out next weekend, so we don't really have time to talk about that one. And there's no water cooler moments because we're all watching things at different times, so we're not really sitting around talking about a thing that we all watched now we are all stuck in our houses watching tiger king and then forced to turn to the person next to us and be like what did you think and like we haven't had time to be philosophical or like critical about media or um relationships or literature in a long Mm, time mm. and maybe it's good that like I'm relearning how to get a little bit stoned and talk about Meredith Brooks well, because like I mean, maybe <laughs> I like I liked that song and I always thought like oh it's a cheesy favorite of mine but like you know nowadays I'm like this is basic and this isn't like this is for normies and this isn't and you know what maybe it's good if I like sit down and I like actually analyze the things that normies like that I like or the things that normies like that I don't like and think like what even is a normie you know what I mean like these stupid concepts that seem superfluous to like the business of getting things done or like the business of consuming as all of the shows and binging everything and hearing every album that just dropped and getting every Twitter update and just we were just packing so much shit in our backlog of games are like pile of books that were quote unquote important. All the tabs we had open, all the instant paper articles, the YouTube feed, TikToks. Like we had to keep up with this glut of shit on top of our jobs, on top of our part-time jobs, on top of our volunteer work. And it's like, I think maybe it, it, this all sucks and people are dying for this to happen literally, but maybe it's good that we all had to like sit the fuck down. Well, no, you know there's, what I mean? There's no question that there's going to be uh, some long-term upside from this. I mean, obviously it's a horrible situation and I fucking hate the coronavirus and I wish to God it had never happened. And if there was anything I could possibly do to end it, I would fucking do 100%. it. Like I would, if I could snap my fingers and make this never happen, uh, like the good fight did an episode where um, their season four premiere was set in the universe of Hillary won and it was so painful right. and they the whole lesson is like well me too happened because Trump got elected we had the political motivation to go and do something we would have never done and like that's really good and that's a silver lining and it's like yeah but if I could snap my fingers yeah and we were I mean, that's a, in this that, 
that's a cool that's cool but like i'll take like you know not having trump as president like i'm sorry but 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 so so you know to be clear like this is a fucking night we're living in a fucking nightmare um but yeah, like there is upside. I mean, I think I've changed a lot of like my thinking and my habits and like what I think is important. Like, honestly, I've a lot of what I used to think was important feels really unimportant to me now. And I'm like stuff that like that I, you know, worried over is I I, I don't even think about it anymore. Like there are things that just are like, I don't give a shit. Like I don't like like. A hundred percent. Like, like I truly do not. I, I think I, I, I come off as unhinged on social media or like in our zoom calls with work. Like definitely. I'm just like, <laughs> but like, cool, fine. I'm just, I'm telling everybody what I think when I think it, I mean, it, this was never like a huge problem, not a huge me, issue, no. but it is no, no, but I, but I really appreciate it now because I'm like, why am I wasting your time? Right. I know what you're doing. Right. And also all my social awkwardness and my apologizing for taking up people's times and my opening emails with, Hey, I'm so sorry about this, but if you could, it would mean so much to me. Thank you so much. I'm just like, here's what I want. Yeah. Can you give that to me? Yeah. And someone's like, no. And I'm like, well, fuck you. And they're like, fuck you too. And I'm like, bye. No. That's great. Yeah. I think, all I think social awkwardness is good. I think also, I think also it's like, you know, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, what we, you know, who we value, who we value being around, what experiences we value. I feel like that's all, you know, there's been a, I've rethought a lot of that stuff and I'm like, oh yeah, like that's not actually some of the stuff that I thought was really important and valuable. Like even things that, you know, it's just been, look, I I just, they're just, they don't feel, things don't feel as present. Some things don't feel as present as they used to. Um, Really quickly, sorry, can I just, I just want to go back to Krang for a second. I know this is off topic, but (laughs) Because I had the Krang, I had the Krang Wikipedia open, and I was just like glancing at it while we were talking. Now, and um, first off, I should read you a little bit about Krang's backstory. Okay, so he apparently was created for the animated series. He was not in the comic, from what I understand. Uh, his original background story was that he was a, a, a warlord from Dimension X who commanded an army of rock soldiers under the leadership of General Trag and Lieutenant Granator. He took the completed Technodrome, a powerful mobile battle fortress for himself, and then banished Dracus, who helped Krang build it to Earth. Eventually, Krang would be banished from Dimension X as well, but not before being stripped of his body and reduced to a brain-like form. Okay, that's cool, right? That's great. Let me tell you. I would there is a version... sell my soul to be a TV writer for children's cartoons oh my God. in the 90s. It's so crazy. But here's what's really going to blow your mind. Uh Krang at some point was voiced by Roseanne Barr. Incredible. Okay. Apparently in 2012, in the 2012 series, <laughs> there is a, I don't, you know, obviously now we're deep in a, a, you know, before the events of the show, the war for dimension X is an episode before the events of the show, they were uh, this race of the, whatever Krang's races were peaceful. And uh, one, until one of them, a female scientist named Krang with two A's, I don't believe Krang has two A's. He only has one. Um, voiced by Roseanne Barr in seasons one and two, discovered the mutagen, which is milked from a giant from giant native worms called Krathtrogons. Krathtrogons. Anyhow, um, but Roseanne Barr apparently used the 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 milk from the worms to become Krang. So so, also Krang Subprime was voiced by Gilbert Gottfried. So I don't know what's going is on. Krang Q maybe sort of. Anyhow, this shit's nuts. Just like reading now, oh. like the entry for Krang is like pretty lengthy. And by the way, I have to recommend that if you are at home uh, and you have nothing to do, which I know you are, and you don't, uh, 
every once in a while see how the QAnon people are reacting to things because their ability to like mutate their predictions and their hypotheses and their like clues has you would think would shut down in the face of of all of this but in fact has only gotten more powerful and it's wild it's hard to tell like if any of those people are serious i mean i honestly like when i read the when i read the qn on stuff i'm like these people are all like they're all in an extended 4chan like troll of each other like like there was some debate um about like mole that they were calling like kids like mole children because they like were like living underground you know because there's like a network of pedophilia that's going on or whatever and the whole Mm -hmm. thing sound really sounds like the product of like a fan fiction that was like written on 4chan which basically it is what it is um it's hard to tell and they were arguing people were like oh it's derogatory to use the term mole children please refer to them as underground children or something like that and it's like i think these people are all just in an extended troll of each other and of people who are who believe that QAnon is like a real thing, like I kind of have. I mean, I think maybe really deranged we, or very we, old didn't we people just say that the trolling thing was to cover that they were real and that you know who we what's said the that difference between irony. But I mean, like the intelligentsia was like, what's the difference between ironic jokes and what they really mean and what they really mean? They are using sarcasm to cover it up, and it's like we go back and forth, and it's like. Maybe we just shouldn't be hanging out on anonymous message boards picking apart secret messages from the president, whether or not we're being, like, ironic. Like, maybe we just don't do it. Let's just stop. Let's just, like, spend our time on other things. There's just a lot of bad stuff out there. I mean, like... Mental illness in this country, an epidemic, uncharted. I mean, yeah... If you're ironically role-playing that you are a QAnon person or you are earnestly a QAnon person, you're equally as mentally ill. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. I mean, listen, I mean, we don't know. I mean, you know, who cares? I guess is what I want to say. What I really want to say is who cares about the QAnon people because they're not part of reality and they're not real and they won't ever be part of reality because what they think and what they talk about is nonsense. And I do think uh, getting back to that point we were talking about, about what matters, what does it on the internet, you know, it's like, it's like the, like rage on Twitter, rage on Twitter has taken on a totally different, first off, there's less of it. I think like people are, people are, I will say this, not that people aren't still getting mad on Twitter, but when they get mad on Twitter, it seems way, way less meaningful. Like, like, oh, you're like mad about a political take. Like, well, the world is like in free fall. So who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Well, everything, everything feels flaccid because we can imagine the person who posted it and what they're doing is they're in their boxer shorts eating <laughs> onion dip just like we are. Right. Oh, God, that sounds good. That sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, literally like, you know, Darth, the guy who's always like posting pictures of dogs and like doing funny photoshops is like, I'm making French fries. It's like, all right, buddy. I mean, it's like good for him. I'm just saying it's funny. You know, like, um, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting. But, um, but like, yeah, but uh, so, you know, that whole thing, like I was looking at all this stuff is just all the political shit that I see now on Twitter is like to me seems so unhinged. Like I feel like I only hear from the most unhinged people at this point, like not to talk too much about politics, but like I look, you know, Bernie, you know, Bernie and Biden had like a live stream yesterday, which I didn't even know was going on. Um, and it's like, oh, Bernie's endorsing Biden. And it was like obviously a big to do. But what was really, really incredible was like the comments on it. Where it was like, 
people who are like, and I listen, I get it. There's a lot of disappointment. And I'm disappointed. I, I really wish that Bernie had been the guy. Um, but like, but some of the comments were like, it was like as if you were midway through drinking a Coke. Okay. And you're like, I fucking love Coke. This is my favorite beverage. I would die for this. I will drink this till the day that I die. This is the shit. And they were like, actually, you're drinking Pepsi. No, that's not a good example. It's like, uh, no, it's like midway through it. They're like, Coke was just purchased by uh, Pepsi. Still Coke, still tastes the same. Everything's, and they spit it out. And they're like, I fucking hate this Coke. I will never drink it again. Fuck you, Coke. You're dead to me. And it's like, it's like, I don't understand. You love this thing so much. And now this thing is like, the devil to you like i understand let me bring it down let me explain it to you what's going on here i mean uh, let me i'll totally like uh, no, wait, hold on let me just say one thing people were like this is why bernie was always like a shit candidate who never was like it was like literally like people who were like bernie literally yesterday they were a bernie bro two days ago they were a bernie bro and now they were like burn him they're like kill this man put him in prison he's always been a traitor and i've never liked him um yeah i'll explain to you what's going on and i say this as someone who likes bernie has those progressive beliefs and is voting for Joe Biden. Mm. I took a deep breath. I am. I'm doing it. <laughs> but <Biden>. however, <laughs> however, here let me let me tell you exactly. I'm breaking down exactly what's happening. Yes, people are always trying to diagnose the Bernie thing of being like, is this a cult of personality? Will they do whatever he says? These people will throw their lives on the line for him, but that's like a cult. Or they say like. You know, they won't fall into line with what Bernie said. Bernie told you, and I thought you believed in Bernie's progressive values. If you believe in his progressive values, why don't you believe him when he tells you the only way to get this shit done is to go vote for Biden? I, I'm going to I'm gonna totally just, I'm going to, all of that does not matter. None of that is true. None of it is relevant. The only thing that is relevant is that these people are deep in grief for the fact that they don't have health care. That's it. And you can swap in healthcare with food to feed their kids or a chance to go to school. Yeah. Or the, uh, you know, but, the idea but, to but live actually, out any of their – but wait, but wait. The idea to live out any of their dreams. Some of these people, I understand the president cannot make it so they get to be a pop star, but they grew up thinking that, that something good was going to happen to them. They were going to have a family. They were going to have anything. Anything. Yeah. And most people never will. But the vast majority of people said, I see but Bernie said to them, Do you feel a little bit of hope? You should, because you deserve it. And then they feel now like it was taken away from them and that they it wasn't even real. That's how I felt and when a, how I felt when Obama was uh was uh, running, you know? I was but like But you might not under you might not ever be able to understand how it feels to be your age in your position, um, your exact self, but have nothing because you don't. Mm, I feel like at this point I can definitely imagine it given the coronavirus. I'm like, no, this... but you can't because imagine the coronavirus on top of not having health insurance. On no, but top listen, of not having a home. but I hear, of course I agree with what you're saying and totally understand it. What I'm saying is so this th emotional lashing out is never going to make sense because emotions don't make sense. But also, by the way, can, can I just be clear? It is the people that I see saying that are predominantly the people who are like, like, like fuck you i just want health care which is like the thing to me that like drives me so fucking insane is like i get you just want health care a lot of people do and everybody should have it but like is it possible could you imagine a situation where other people want other things and you've got to figure out how to get all the things for everybody together not like be like fuck you i just want health care because fuck you i just want health care things the people who want other things, those things don't seem to be real priorities to the people who no, are dying. But, but of course, people are. But, but people are. But that's, like, oh, what did you want? You wanted dying. more funding for the air force. The people Sorry, are dying. You know, no, 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 no. That's not what the people want. I'm saying when people need things, there are there are levels of need. Like 
healthcare is is a need. There are people who need things just as badly as healthcare that are just as detrimental to their lives that like they feel they can get. What what, what can Biden give them that burn? I don't want to give them nothing. I mean, what can we all agree? Biden offering? We all agree Biden is a worse is a worse choice for president than Bernie would be, in my opinion. And I want to hear someone explain to me why they want Joe Biden to be president without I, mentioning Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump. They or can't. Barack Obama. They can't. They can't. Because the reason is the reason is very simple. It's Donald Trump. They want yeah. they want something. But like they want something. I'm telling you, I'm sorry. Like for the old people, like this is just a reality. You can't stop people from wanting the things they want. Just like you can't say fuck you to people who want health care. the need to get Donald Trump out of office, which I also feel – Imagine if you didn't feel that unhinged need about him because you didn't even have time to think about him because you were dying. Or imagine if imagine if you couldn't see all of the ways that a person like Biden is different than Donald Trump and all of the ways things could be different and you were just laser focused on one other candidate because that's the other side of it. It's like things will change for people. But they're not laser focused on one candidate. They literally are like, fuck you, Bernie. No, now, because Bernie isn't the candidate. What's because so they're insane? not focused on okay, the candidate. Okay. What You're... they're focused on is the thing that they're desperate for, which is like that they're dying. I get it, but let me just be clear. Let me just be clear. The people on Twitter, the people on Twitter are, Twitter are not even the people who are dying. The people on Twitter are the people who are talking about the people who are dying, yeah, who don't, you, even, who don't, don't even know that. Who don't even go vote. Couple, now, a lot of them, like the Chapo guys. But a couple – the Chapo but a guys. Couple of those guys, a couple of those guys. If half of them are just deeply empathetic to the people who are really in need, and half of them are grifters, there's still point oh 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 one percent of the people that are upset that Bernie endorsed Biden. But I'm just saying, like, and so, but I'm just saying, like, all, all I all I want to say is that we said we wouldn't we're going to talk about this, and well, now we're talking about right. It. Well, I was just saying about the tone on Twitter, which is just like. People are seem. I feel like there's less of the crazy. Uh, first off, the Bernie Bros have somewhat dissipated, and I barely see them now. Go figure. But uh, but I'm saying that people's freakouts on Twitter seem way less important because there are like real things happening in the world where you're like, actually, I'm worried about getting like get be safely going to the grocery store and getting like milk. Like that's a thing that now you know i'm saying obviously there are even worse concerns right i'm a person who has no insurance and i'm sick and how do i get help that's obviously much more scary but i'm saying the level of things that we all worry about now this was my sort of point getting away from politics and back to the twitter and the sort of just like coronavirus mental state that we're all in is like i used to look at twitter and get really worked up like i used to look at the people who were mad about anything not just it could be about fucking you know, somebody was like the other day, like Evan, Evan was complaining because he like he was like re- trying to return a, a Samsung phone and they like didn't give him a full refund or something. And there was some guy in his comments who was like, oh, you're like an Apple plant. You try to shit talk Samsung. And like there was a time when I'd be like, this guy's fucking asshole. How dare he? Now I'm like, who cares? Like, it's so dumb. <laughs> it's like all I this think, stuff is I so dumb. All, we all have both so much more empathy for each other, but also so much more empathy for ourselves to be like, like I, I literally have been saying to myself, like, take it easy on yourself, kid. You know what I mean? Like, like I've been like, why am I so depressed? I need to figure it out. Maybe if I exercise, oh, I don't know. Oh, I'm just going to lay in bed and agonize over the hours I'm wasting agonizing. And now I'm just like, ah, lay in bed. Who cares, kid? Like, you know you're going what? through it. Seriously. And, and you know what? That's good. Do you know? Do you know? But also, I mean, the tr- the other thing is that's interesting, speaking of laying in bed, is like, I, the days, we were talking about this yesterday, the days are so weirdly fast now. Like, 
I don't know about you. Maybe I maybe I, it's a perception that I'm experiencing that. Oh no, else they're is. blowing by. Like like you're they're like you're like you're by. like oh it's eight in the morning. Then you're like it's four o'clock. Like it, 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 and I don't know what's causing it. I guess it's like not. I don't know. You would think not having a change of scenery, not going anywhere. Like I always well, thought, it's the like the reason why high school felt super long, but all those classes were thirty-five minutes. Yeah. Well, but that's the opposite, isn't it? Or maybe it's not. No, but what I'm saying is you change settings, you reintroduce, you open up books, you move here, you change subjects, you're doing something different. It packs so many different notable things into the day that the day feels packed and big. But when you're just sitting in one spot on your laptop, whether or not you're like doing a uh, uh, board or not, you don't have any markers within that day to be like, that was different. And so now you're just like, my, I mean, it's the reason my mom says that she doesn't feel like the years go by faster. And I'm like, oh, cause she's still on a school schedule. My mom's like a teacher. So she, the year doesn't go by faster for her. Whereas now that I'm an adult who does the exact same thing every single day, I constantly feel like, are we doing Christmas again? I thought we just fucking did Christmas. You know what I mean? Mm. But it's like that now all the time. I don't know what what happened during the day. I don't know what happened at night. I don't know what happened two weeks ago. I never know. Yeah. Like time has ceased to mean anything, which means that it just blows by, it's which is good in some respects, but also so bad because I'm like, I'm just going to blink and it will have been a summer of the only 80 summers I might have a chance at, you know? Yeah. You know we haven't talked about. Sorry, complete pivot. We haven't talked about Dune. Oh God, we need to talk about Dune. Dune. <laughs> I'm so nervous about this Dune. Movie. Well, well, look, the, I can tell you what's going on right now. Okay, Denis Villeneuve, the director, the visionary director, Villeneuve. Villeneuve I don't know how you pronounce it. Denis Denis Villeneuve. No, Yadarovsky, no, in my opinion. What? You know Yadarovsky's Dune. <laughs> no, it's different Dune. Denis Villeneuve's Dune, the visionary director of Blade Runner 2049, and also Sicario, I guess. Anyhow, uh, Timothée Chalamet, who is actually from New York, is uh, is in it. He stars as Paul Atreides. Uh, uh, Oscar Isaac stars as Duke Leto Atreides with a very good beard. And yeah, I, think some... I think I think what they're they renamed the character though. No, they're calling him. Um, they're calling him Choke Me Out, Daddy. Okay. <laughs> Duke <laughs> Duke Choke Me Out, Daddy, of 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 uh, of the planet Atreides, um, or not of the planet. Uh, what are they? What's the planet they're from? Uh, kick me in the balls. No. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so here's the big thing. Like Dune. Dune is a controversial book because it's uh well. I mean, other versions of the of the of the book are. I mean, there's a lot of like whitewashing and weird like Arab stuff. Well, the and, first like, book, the first book is all white savior stuff, and then every book after that is like mm, white savior wasn't a great idea. But everyone always focuses on the first book being racist rather than all the other books that pick apart the racist stuff in the first book. Yeah. So, but I mean, so anyhow, so this is a very whitewashed version again of all the characters, and it's like the whole story is very like, yeah, it's like white savior. No, look, I love, I love the book. I'm just gonna say it. It's, it's, it's. There's problems that are obviously like, you know, when I first read it when I was much younger, it would never have occurred to me. Now I'm like, I read it, can read it with those problems in mind, and say these things are problematic, but there are still things about the book. Yeah, that you're, I, you, you say to yourself. 30 rock is very funny, but man, Tina Fey seems to have some unresolved body. Issues. Yeah. It's like this, this story is wonderful, but there are things that if someone could go back, if the, if Frank Herbert were alive, I wouldn't have cast Roseanne Barr, <laughs> right? You know, cast Roseanne Barr as Krang, um, you know, but, <laughs> but, 
but um but but like uh so so there's stuff like that obviously but um but now this this new movie obviously is going to be you've got to kind of like you know who's being cast who are the characters how are you playing it and it sounds like the big controversy right now is that they are repeating the mistakes of of you know the sort of insensitivity and blindness to uh the sort of like you know uh western uh uh you know eurocentric lens. world worldview or lens that it that it sees its world through um and so you know that's an issue i'm more of like i don't think you can top the david lynch version so which apparently everybody hates uh, I, I, you know I, what I don't think. You know what I think. I think that this just looks boring. The color palette looks boring. It, it looks uninspired. The sci-fi looks to be, you know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of new uh, Force Awakens, a little bit of sci-fi channel. Well, but it, it seems a little bit like we're gonna take something from all of the things people know and then just smush them together from the promo pictures, and then it'll be a nice sepia tone, shades of sand, and it's like it sounds so boring to me. Just like that's why I'm. Like I'd rather rewatch the Yadorovsky's Doom documentary than watch this because at least that had some fucking some razzle dazzle for the kids. I will say I feel like you know what they're doing. Wow, I mean it looks a lot like David Lynch's Dune. To be honest with you, like I'm looking at some of the pictures right now. They're basically it seems like they're basically trying to do like a better, like more modern version of David Lynch's version, which is like, uh fine totally fine i mean literally the casting is insane the casting is insane i mean i understand people are mad about it but it's like a pretty cool cast if you ask me um i don't really want to see a, a remake of dune i mean i'm gonna see it i, I don't timothy chalamet does not feel like a a um kyle mclaughlin level player in my opinion, yeah, no. Timothy Chalamet is not like an everyman. I mean, I mean, Kyle MacLachlan brought something very special to the role that is you can't really put in 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 words. But at any rate, wow. I mean, this is just wild. I'm just looking. There's a great inverse story on this about how it's going to be different from the uh, about how it's going to be different from the book. Um, and it's got a lot of the pictures. Well, and stuff. I, I'm going to assume it'll be briefer. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but here's what I was going to say. I, I. Uh, like I would rather see a Dune series that covers like three of the books or four of the books or whatever. Like I just think I was just talking about this with my my brother brother in law. Um, about he's been he's just started watching The Mandalorian, and one of the things that I was struck by watching The Mandalorian was like, oh yeah, this is like a pretty good way. Like this is more interesting and in a more interesting way to tell a star Wars story than the new movies in, in many ways. And like, we now have like the budgets and the technology and the audience potential. Like, you know how much better the new star Wars movies would have been if we had been given, we had given them three of those movies, like 12 episodes to like play out some of those story concepts. Like, I think there's a huge problem now that like, frankly, like, prestige tv is as good if not better than movies and movies are always trying to do that thing where they cram in you know dune is a very complex story and like there's a lot of threads you can pull on that story and a lot of interesting ways you can take it i think like you know obviously game of thrones ended up in a in a in a place that none nobody was happy with but but game of thrones in its in its frankly like up till the last couple of seasons i think maybe even like up to the last season was like an incredible like experience of like I'm watching now a new art form, which is like it's like a movie spread out over 
dozens of hours, you know? And I think that in the, like where we're watching the Sopranos, I think it's a very similar thing. I just feel like we, well, it's like genres, movie formats or any formats, TV, movie, whatever. And genre should be descriptive, not prescriptive. And I don't want people to make a sci-fi tentpole movie. I want yeah. people to tell me a good story. However, they have to get it done. Yeah. I mean, I whether think... it's a series or it's a movie or you, you, it's a quibby, whatever it is, if it's a good story, just do whatever you have to do. But the idea that like, I'm going to pull references from other sci-fi works and then fit it into the movie length format that we are, we want to release things in. It's like, well, then you're not telling a good version of Dune. You're making that. Right. If you want to tell a good version of Dune, figure out what a good version of Dune is well, and then find a way to deliver it to that's, me. I mean, that's that. But that's the thing with like, you know, it's like Watchmen is a good example. I, I wasn't that big of a fan of the new Damon Lindelof series, though. I think it was like at the end of it was like a pretty – did a pretty good job of like what – what Watchmen has always really needed if you're going to try to do a version of it that isn't like the comic, which is like it needs room to like breathe. Yeah. And like I think there are a lot of pieces of popular – like we have this idea that like like Dune's not going to be a fucking blockbuster movie, okay? Just the way Blade Runner 2049 was basically a bomb. Like there's a real well, – was John Carter. Right. There's a real miscalculation that these like really thoughtful, thought-provoking uh, sci-fi films are somehow like – um that there's a big audience for them. And I actually think the audience is in a different place. It's not the people who go see Avengers movies. Like people who see Avengers movies don't want to see Timothy Chalamet, like being like, you know, having his feelings hurt because his father got murdered. They didn't see Independence Day because they wanted thoughtful ideas about war. They saw it because the White House blows up. I'm not, definitely. It's great. I'm going to rewatch that tonight. Um, the, but no, but my point is what I'm saying is, uh, you know, I just wish it was, it was this default, like this default idea that like you've got to make a Dune movie now, like that it's got to be a yeah. movie, that it can't be something else. And it's like you can't put it in the right form. And I just think like we we need to move, especially now, by the way, thanks to coronavirus, we should all be thinking like, does it make sense? I guess they're going to do two Dune movies. It's like, but like Dune is not going to be, I mean, I, I guess, listen, write it down right now. I'm putting myself down as saying Dune the Dune movie will not be a blockbuster. It will not be a no. hit. It may be critically be acclaimed. It might be critically acclaimed. Maybe. I think there's a pretty good chance it won't be critically acclaimed and people will be like, this is clunky. But maybe it'll be fucking great. Maybe it'll be breathtaking. Maybe it'll be a work of art. I don't think it's the kind of shit that like the Hobbs and Shaw audience is coming out for. I don't think – I don't even know if Hobbs and Shaw was a hit. That might have been a mom too. But like the, the uh, people who spend a billion dollars at the box office on the Avengers are not like, I'm about to spend a billion dollars on this movie about like spice mining on Arrakis. Like, you know, and I'm sure there's more to it, but like obviously because there's more to it in the book. But the book is like slow and thoughtful and it's not like action-packed and it's like all about like politics and relationships and like – the subconscious and the conscious mind and like like just all this weird shit that like i think would be better explored in a fucking 12 part hbo series you know like do that well it's like why harry potter was like it was a hit at the movie theater because everyone wanted to see like i want to see a hippogriff i want to see whatever but as an actual storytelling avenue those harry potter movies are not very good movies they're not well they're not good a good story they're not well told there's well, not a lot of relationship development well, one thing is interesting not a lot of I, I will say on on that point because i just watched um uh 
I just read the first Harry Potter, as you know. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing that is worth noting is that the first Harry Potter book is quite short. And I think all of them are like not that long because they're books for kids. I mean, ostensibly. And uh, maybe they get longer as they go on. But it's like even the ones that are long are breezy. Yeah, it's they're very compact stories. And they actually do are somewhat better suited to like you going like, hey, I can see how this works out to, you know, uh, this works out to like a two and a half hour movie or three hour movie or whatever. But the thing is, Harry Potter would be so good if it was a 12 episode HBO series or a role playing game that just takes place in that universe. It doesn't necessarily need to be seven or eight movies. Like that was just a weird choice and made for business reasons, not for like storytelling reasons. And I know that that's like a thing that's so easy to come back and and complain about, especially in a world where like, as Sondheim said, like making art is easy. Financing it is not, but it's like, we currently have the tools to make any story. And honestly, if HBO made a visual VR thing, it would get a ton of press and people would fall over themselves to play with it. So like my whole thing is like, let's just stop. I'm just sick of seeing the same press cycle that we've had since the nineties for things that like don't fit in that format. And it feels like now Hollywood's just looking for more and more properties like Amazon's Lord of the Rings series. Maybe it'll be really good to me. It just felt like they were like, there's a game of Thrones. What's similar to Game of Thrones, which is the treatment that Lord of the Rings got last time where people were like, Harry Potter's big. What's similar to Harry Potter? And it's like, <laughs> right. can we just actually tell the Lord of the Rings on its own terms? Not that the Peter Jackson movies aren't good, but like if you're going to do it, do it because you wanted to do it well, not because it's in the zeitgeist. And so Dune to me, it's just like as someone who actually likes Dune, I feel like a ton of people are going to have like are going to weigh in on it. And I'm just like already tired and I don't want to hear their opinions of Dune. You know, like I don't want to hear, I didn't want to hear people's opinions of the Avengers, frankly. Yeah. I had my own opinions and like, I didn't want, it wasn't for everybody. And then by making it for everybody, it's for nobody. We should wrap up here. I think we've been talking for at least three or four hours. We're an hour and 20 minutes into this motherfucker. And you know what you were like at the beginning, we're like, what are we going to talk about? And it turns out we can just bullshit for an hour and 20 minutes. (laughs) Anyhow, well, right, well, what else? I hope that yes. Tony needed to hear bullshit. What? Oh, Tony. It's the least we can do. It's the least we can do for Tony. Meanwhile, I've been watching, we've been rewatching The Sopranos, and I'm like, I have so much weird um, Jersey Italian slang. I got like a, there's like a PDF somebody made of like all the origins of all the weird Italian. They're like, it's like Italian, but then like, you know, through this weird like Sopranos, like very specific part of italy very specific part of jersey slang or whatever and uh mm. now all the time i'm like i'm like yeah i ain't gobblegoo <laughs> all the time that's capicola by the way <laughs> cap the word is cap the word is capicola it's pronounced gobblegoo <laughs> gobblegoo gobblegoo anyhow <laughs> this is probably racist i'm not is that sure your about. nice thing your nice thing my is nice jersey thing is slang gobblegoo no you want to do nice things? Let's do nice things. Okay. Go ahead. You first, motherfucker. Oh, I, oh I'm supposed oh, no, to Fine, go. I'll do it. I'll do it. If I don't care, I'll do a nice thing. Hold on. Hold on. Let me think of a nice thing. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you my nice thing. Uh, I'm back into PCs. I'm all. I'm a PC guy. I'm, on a, I'm recording this right now on a Surface Pro 4. I don't know what happened. I haven't touched my Surface in ages. I have a razor blade. I was like, man, I really want I – really, I really want my, – my Mac feels fucking slow. I have a MacBook Pro. I think it's 2018. It's a 2018 MacBook Pro. It's like it feels 
like shit when I use it. It is so slow and sluggish and like laggy and just shit. It's just like I'm like, what the fuck? Max used to like be forever computers. Like you'd use them for fucking ever and they would be good. Now it's like I don't know what's going on. So I was like, man, I really want like a fast I want a blazing fast computer. I'm like, what's the fast computer I could buy that's like a small laptop? And Evan's like, oh, like the Razor Blade Stealth is really fast. And I was like, oh, shit. Like they sent me one and I never return. I have to return it. And I have it sitting in a box here. And I was like, I'm going to get that out. And I got it out. And like, I honestly, I will say I do not care for many of many, many decisions with the Razor Blade Stealth. But as I was using it, I'm like, damn, this does feel like a million times faster and it's great. I'm like, let me see what's up with my Surface, which I haven't literally have not turned on in probably, I don't know, or haven't like woken up in like, I don't know, a couple of months. And I don't know what happened. I did some updates, restarted. It feels like blazingly fast. It feels faster than my MacBook. It is an old ass computer. They're now on the fucking Surface Pro 7. This is an i5 Surface Pro 4. And it feels so much faster and snappier and more like usable than my Mac. So I'm now like, I'm like all in. I got to tell you, I fucking love it. I love using it. I love the way it feels. I love how it works. I love how search works on it. I love the fucking, I love Cortana. She's great. Uh, No, I don't really use Cortana, but like just doing small things. It just seems so much zippier. Um, now I had to do some, you know, I had to put some, get some tweaks going, you know, I got to get like some, uh, you know, there's annoying shit that PCs do. Like you can't, you want to type a curly quote or an M dash. You have to like literally type in a code, you know, there's like, I had to download my uh, first off on the PC has my favorite screen sharing, uh, my, or not screen sharing, but screenshotting tool, which is a thing called share X, which is the greatest video or screen, you know, uh, uh, screenshot or screen video tool in the world. Um, you know, so I hacked a few things here and there and now I have it basically perfect, but I got to tell you, I fucking love it. I'm thinking about getting, I'm thinking about getting a new surface pro, like a fully specced out, like I seven surface pro. Although this has been so good that I don't even know if I need it. I was like, this kind of is like giving me what I want. So anyhow, this all sounds like a post. Yeah. Maybe it's a post. I don't know. Yeah, it might be. I don't know. All I know is like it's fucking great and it feels really snappy and it like is working better than uh than my Mac and I don't know what to say about that except I'm a very happy man. That's my nice thing. There. Are you happy? Gaba go. Gaba go. So my nice thing is uh every day it's this isn't the nice thing. You're all going to think that should be the nice thing, but it isn't. Just wow. Wait. Wow. Every day at 7 p.m. All of Manhattan has been applauding for the healthcare workers. It's very loud. People have been setting off fireworks, which I'm like, how did you even get your hands on these? Um, it is a whole thing. And John loves it. And he screams from the top of his lungs. And it's like, it, it, we're all together in one city, you know, United Colors of Benetton or whatever. Oh, and great. it's Best. great, whatever. It's corny. It's like Facebook meme level joy, but it's fine. Although, here's my nice thing. My neighbor has been playing New York, New York every day at 7 p.m. during the length of the applause, which is fine, but it's the Frank Sinatra version. Yeah. Oh, is that bad? And that is bad. I cannot stand the Frank Sinatra version. It's up to you. It's that version. It's that song, right? Yep. That's that song, right? That's the classic version, though. No, it is not. Yeah, it is. It is always in... Like a montage at a wedding on Long Island with like 
with like uh uh with Alicia Keys and Jay Z, and I I I cannot stand the Frank Sinatra. It's up to you, New York. That song, right? Yep. It's been stuck in my head since this started. I've I've rewritten. I've written dirty versions. How is this? How is this? What's the nice thing here? You're complaining about your neighbors. Just wait. Oh, just wait. Okay. I've started singing dirty versions of it. I was singing "Start Spreading My Nudes." It was it was fun. (laughs) However, okay. I the version of New York, New York that is the original Mm. and that is the classic in my opinion. And if you go and watch it, you will understand why is Liza Minnelli's version. The song was written for her. It is a song about an ingenue who arrived in New York. And that is so fun and hopeful and it's exhilarating. And you watch her perform it. Her whole body moves as one piece that like that like it couldn't not. It seems like she's compelled to just like move her hips and her and her arms in motions that match the emotion of her voice which is such a specific voice and the song was so obviously written for her voice and the whole song is about like you know having hopes and having dreams and coming to the city and relying on yourself and 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 deciding that even if you fail it was 100% worth it and and that's what the song is about and not it's not about a guy in his 60s or 70s who's like you know, he he's in with the mob and he's drinking some brown liquor and he's like, you know, looking back on his time in New York. The lyrics don't even make sense about that. Like, that's not even what the song is written to be about. Frank Sinatra did a cover of it, but people identify mm. with men who have yeah. power yeah. more than they do with young women. Well, I have an idea. I have a solution for you. Wait, wait. Oh, we have so not gotten your nice fucking thing. nice thing. Jesus Christ. My nice yeah. thing okay. is every day at 6.59 now. I play the Liza version on my mega boom speakers yeah. so that I will beat them. Like out your like out your, your window? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have started a war. This is this is a wild. This is a great this is a great story. It's only in New York. Only in New York could this story be possible. Only in New York could two people uh, who, who mean so well, like what they're, what you're doing is a well-meaning thing. And yet somehow you've turned it into a, a battle of wits and a I petty lo- revenge plot. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. It is. Exactly. I love it. I love it. And I'm in love with it. And I'm in love with the city of New York as defined by the Frank Sinatra classic. No. <laughs> All right. I think it's a good place to leave it. You know, it's up to you. Gabagoo. 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 You just get turned into like one syllable, just a just a, just a grunt. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy, Crank. man. That, that shows that crack. Shredder. Oh, I've been doing my oh, by the way, I was gonna say one other thing. You think, oh, you've had that stuck in your head. Well, you know what I've had stuck in my head? The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme song, which <laughs> which is like which is like, you know, a pretty interesting song, actually. I don't want to get back into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I've thought a lot about them. Oh, one other thing I will say, sorry. And then we, and this is like another, like a little tiny little nice thing just to drop in there. I'll tell you what song actually has like a beat that slaps is the Inspector Gadget theme song. Oh, hell yeah. The Inspector Gadget hell theme yeah. song is like, that thing's a fucking box. it's it hard. It's hard. It's like, damn, like it did what it had to do. It yeah. told you who Inspector Gadget yeah, was and yeah. you remember. No, it's like sle- kind of sleazy too. It's kind of like, it's like yeah. some weird, like, I don't know where it came from, but it's tight. I should look up and when the you history get into of that. that. Go, Gadget, go. Oh, so good. Like, the bri- oh, you, mean the bri- you mean the bridge of the Inspector Gadget theme song? <laughs> it's like the only, honestly, I think it may be the only theme song I know of that has a bridge. 
Like it's actually a pretty long intro. <laughs> it's like yeah, I know I love I live for like a bridge or a key change in a short song. Oh my god, it's so good. All right, let's wrap this motherfucker up. I gotta get back to my gabba go. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week, maybe, with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. And I'm happy to report that your family is flattening the curve. And that's all they can do right now. So congratulations to them and to all New Yorkers, especially Frank Sinatra.